I believe that 80% of the people you need to know to be successful, you've already met, and that it's time, therefore, to wake up your network. Hello, and welcome to The Daily Helping with Dr. Richard Schuster. Food for the brain, knowledge from the experts, tools to win at life. I'm your host, Dr. Richard. Whoever you are, wherever you're from, and whatever you do, this is the show that is going to help you become the best version of yourself. Each episode, you will hear from some of the most amazing, talented, and successful people on the planet who followed their passions and strive to help others. Join our movement to get a million people each day to commit acts of kindness for others. Together, we're going to make the world a better place. Are you ready? Because it's time for your daily helping. Thanks for tuning into this episode of the Daily Helping Podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Richard, and our guest today is brilliant. He's a multi-passionate entrepreneur, or what you might call multi-hyphenate. We're going to have to ask about that. In his case, he's a professional speaker, business growth, strategy coach, virtual event design consultant, executive Zoom producer, MC, podcast host, author, virtual presentation skills trainer. I'm sure there's more, but he has been recognized as a networking expert by Harvard Business Review, Forbes, and Inc. And he's recognized as an industry expert in the field of digital event design by JDC Events. Since 2016, he's hosted the on the Schmooze podcast. And since March 2020, a weekly hashtag no more bad Zoom virtual happy hour. That sounds super fun. Robbie Samuels, welcome to The Daily Helping. It is awesome to have you here. Thanks for having me. Thanks for that amazing intro. Pleasure to be here. Absolutely. I, I'm excited to learn about the virtual happy hour, but you do so many things. You wear so many different hats. I know mm -hmm. we're not going to have time to talk about all of them, but I'm curious. I love to ask people, what got you started on the path that you're on today? People, relationships. I love gathering people, convening people, connecting people. I didn't know that was something you can do for a living. <laughs> um, but years ago, I ran a meetup group. And part of his success, it ran for 11 years, hosted hundreds of events, was that I was teaching our regulars how to connect not only with each other, but how to welcome others and how to have a host mindset. And that turned into a talk and then spent a decade working to become recognized as a networking expert. Succeeded at that, got quoted a lot of places, published a book, did a TEDx, published and launched my podcast. And uh, none of those things were really needed. In March 2020, eye contact, business cards, shaking hands, body language were not the things people needed to know about. And so my reinvention began um, where I, as you said, you know, got into the virtual event uh, sort of side of things, really, because I believe events are about content and connection. So I wanted to make sure that the virtual events really met that uh, promise for participants. And somehow, um, through a lot of effort, I grew a business from zero to six figures in eight months. And now I have a second book out that really answers the question, Robbie, how, you, how did you do that? Uh, but it also answers a question that people don't know whether they dare to ask, can I do that also? And it's interesting because it sounds like, you know, the book, this business, all of these evolved from being in a COVID world. And why I'm excited to have you on this show is so many people, and I've had so many people tell me this, that, you know, 
quitting their jobs was the greatest thing they ever did. They're terrified, but it was so exciting. It was a breath of fresh air. And now they're able to you know, have a really different life than they did when they used to drive into an office and do all the things they did and make somebody else's dreams come true. So talk to us about why this book for those people and for those people kind of considering make, maybe making that switch, why this book's so important. Gosh, it, it will help them avoid a lot of the common mistakes that I and lots and lots of entrepreneurs make in the process of building a business. Often we're drawn to a business idea because we want to help people. We want to have a positive impact in the world. We get an idea, we go into isolation, into a vacuum, and we create some kind of program, offer, course, something. And then we bring it to the light, share it with the market. And the market says, who are you? What is this? We don't need this. And it's so demoralizing. So the premise of the book is that you don't need a big email list. Like the reason people think that they're, they're not selling the way they would like to be selling their products and services and offers is because they have a small email list. That's not actually, that's the problem they think they have. That's not actually the problem they have. And so really the book talks about the problems that you didn't include, involve and ask the people who you were trying to help what they needed and you didn't co-create the offer with them. So the book shares how to build the audience before you create that offer. Again, whatever the offer might be. It could even be a book, it could be a podcast, it could be a, a live stream. It, it's about any time you're trying to have a positive impact, making an effort to include the people you're trying to serve in the process of building it so they can help you vet the idea before you pour money, time, and effort into trying to get it off the ground because it's a very frustrating thing um, that I and I, I have yet to actually meet a, a successful entrepreneur who's avoided making this mistake in some form or fashion. So I love this because it sounds really simple and intuitive, but like you said, uh, so few business owners actually do this. So let's say we have no email list. You've got a business idea. You think it's a good one, but you're not somebody who'd be recognizable to the masses. You don't have a brand or an existing book. How do you even start building that audience to share a potential offer with them, a potential product or service? The people I mostly coach um, fall into the category. Um, majority of them demographically are entrepreneurial women in their 50s and beyond, um, but also psychographically, any gender, usually later in life, who wants to grow their impact and income going from either a job they had or a coaching practice that was one-on-one -on -one or speaking where they got paid per stage to some kind of one-to-many program, one-to-many offer, like an online course or a mastermind or group coaching program. What they're missing in the equation when they're thinking about making this shift is that they have 20 or 30 years of a professional network that they can lean into in this moment. They're not a novice. They're not 20 years old starting from scratch. And that is the solution to the answer you just asked. It's that you don't need to go wide and big and be known. You need to really go discover from your existing network, people who already know, like, and trust you, who are likely prospects and likely referral partners. Well, that makes sense. And the little light bulbs going off. So essentially you're using, you're leveraging that professional network and then you're, you're honing the offer for them. But what if the offer really isn't geared towards them? What if you're jumping into a total new vertical altogether and they're not really in any way your ideal client? Then you've got to figure out what's transferable because you got to start somewhere. And it's going to be much easier for you to create 
uh, a related offer with people who know, like, and trust you that you can test the idea. And once you get some traction, you can be using that time to build connections, professional connections in a different network. So if I wanted to help airplane pilots, I don't have that I know of like a vast network of people in that industry in my network. Truth be told, I probably do have some aviation related people in my network. I just don't categorize in that way in my mind. I once time joked on a Facebook post or LinkedIn post, I want to have a network vast enough that if someone says, you know, anyone who grew up on a dairy farm, I could say yes. And I got replies to that thread saying, I grew up on a dairy farm. <laughs> and it was like, oh, you know, here I'm making a joke about this, but you just sometimes don't know who to ask. And so that way, part of it is that I wouldn't discount the existing network and say they don't need what you create. But if your aspirations are like helping rock stars, celebrities, the top CEOs, that's a hard place to start because they already got a lot of other people they can access. So think about your existing network. Think about the skill you have, the problem you're trying to solve, and think about how would that relate to the lives of these people because they need your help too. And then as you get traction and you build, you don't have to stay in that niche. You can, you can expand, but you do have to start somewhere. And it's so much easier to get started with people who already have that relationship with you because they're not going to like check your website. They're not going to be asking for your credentials. They're not going to be like, are you a certified coach? Their question is, Hmm, can I, can I actually do this? And then can this person really help me? So once they feel like yes to those questions, they're going to be all in. And then once you have these people, it's kind of like your little private product testing group. Once you make your way to them, what are the most important questions that you can ask them. And then conversely, after that, it's a two-part question. What are the things you should absolutely not be asking them? Well, the biggest mistake I think people make when they're thinking about reaching out to the network for this kind of conversation is that they end up pitching. So I guess one of the reasons entrepreneurs have a hard time shifting what they're creating is because they usually have spent a lot of time trying to sell it as is. And so they're really invested in whatever they've created and they don't really want to make changes because they, they kind of have ego tied in. If you could sidestep that by having a you know, general idea, but a lightly held idea, and then reaching out and having conversations. And in, in the book, I talk about this process called waking up your network, where you really, it's very step-by-step, step, like how do you find the people you even talk to? But if you reach out to these 20, 25 people and you ask them to come with some questions or some scenarios or some problems in your area. And rather than solving them right away, you're helping them start to think differently about this because they're going to start with what they think the problem is. Now, what they say the problem is, is I, I mean, I guess in medical terms, it's like the presenting problem versus the root cause, right? They think they have a problem and they, you know, in their mind, it's a, it is an issue. But in your mind, as, a, as an expert, it's like, really, that's not it. Like, there's this other thing you're not thinking about at all. So I think our job as entrepreneurs is to help people make that shift. Because if they're stuck in their little problems, then they're not going to be open to your big solution. They're going to think that's way overblown from what they were expecting. So you we need to help people become more problem aware, the bigger P problem aware. That, so that's, that's what we should be doing. The, what we shouldn't be doing is walking in with a fully formed plan and saying, hey, Dr. Richard, what do you think about this? Because now we're narrowing the conversation down to that one possible solution. And you might be like, that's pretty good. Meanwhile, you're thinking, there's this other thing I think is even more important for my business. 
but eh, Robbie doesn't want to ask about that. So we're not going to even talk about it. It's such a missed opportunity. And once you get all that data, it's, you know, transcriptions, which now Zoom does this for free. You get like a nice computer generated transcription. You cull through that for problem language. You start to find out what are the themes and you ultimately come up with a four to six week program, a pilot that you can run and you figure out like, what could people achieve by going through this? That's the promise. That's the outcome. And then you go back to a handful of the people you already talked to and say, what do you think? You know, here, I, I thought of you because this thing you said really resonated with me. It stayed with me. While I was designing this. Here's, here's the outcome I can promise everybody gets if they do the work. And then you're like, oh my gosh, you're in my head. You're reading my journal, right? Like if you get that kind of response, you share with them, here's the outline of how I'm thinking of rolling it out. If they're, if they're thinking this is that would, something that would work for them, now it's like, hey, will you join the pilot? I reached out to you thinking you might be a great fit and you just confirmed you would be. What do you think? And that's how you get people into a paid pilot uh, who, who really want to be there, who want to give you feedback. And then once you have that, how you broaden that is you get testimonials, right? You get, you get feedback, you tighten it up. You might run a variation of the pilot a few times still within your network. And then you can go, you can go bigger, but initially showing a six to eight people, no more than 12, no less than four, not like Facebook ads, websites, learning management systems, all the collateral stuff that we think is important. Hey guys, Dr. Richard here. For the past seven years, I've been privileged to bring you incredible guests who are changing the world and can help you become the best version of yourself. I'm really excited to share with you a new quiz that I created based on my clinical training that will curate for you a custom list of my top episodes and actionable strategies to help you wherever you are on your journey. All you need to do is go to drrichardschuster.com to take it, and it's 100% free. You'll be taking the next step on the journey to unlocking the power of you, and I can't wait to see where you'll go. I love that, that you're giving specific timelines, number of people. There's a couple of things that you said that I want to kind of circle back to and key in on. Um, one of those, as you mentioned, and I don't know if this was just being providing an example or, or if this is a good idea. You mentioned, you know, under the waking up your network, 20 to 25 people. Was that just talk for an example or is that really the ideal size of people you really want in your, for lack of a better term, focus group for this? Um, it's not even a focus group yet because you're not sure if you're going to find like, it's basically you cull through your list. It's a several step process, but it's like finding people who would recognize your name and who you'd be happy to hear from out of the blue and then prioritize them based on how strong a connection they have with you, how much influence they have in the world and how interested you think they would be in your current topic, whatever you currently want to talk to. And from that, then picking... 20, 25 people, two thirds being likely prospects, a third being some coffee chats and some <clears throat> fellow experts or um, referral partners. And these are calls that you can get done in six, maybe max 12 weeks. And just learning that could be just change the course of what you put out into the world. Uh, one of the things that you had mentioned was a little P and a big P problem. And then we kind of move past it, but I wrote it down because I wanted to circle back to it. So wh what do those mean? What's the difference between the two? Little P problems are symptoms. 
from, from our perspective as experts, these are not the main issue. They're little symptoms. And I have this really kind of bizarre, dramatic uh, example, um, kind of ridiculous example in the book that someone comes to me with an itchy arm and they're looking for anti-itch cream. And I immediately diagnose it as poison ivy. And I ask a few questions and I come to realize they have poison ivy in their backyard because every time they go in their backyard, they get another patch of poison ivy on them. So in that person's mind, the solution is anti-itch cream. And I realized like, this is an invasive plant. It's all over. I have a friend who has a bulldozer. Let me give you this guy's number. But if I offer that solution, this person's like, what? No way. I just need some anti-itch cream. So it'd be better for me to help them start to become aware of the bigger problem, invite them to suggest some solutions. And so maybe at the end of that conversation, they go and decide to put some stepping stones down, some walking stones or to fence off a certain area. So they start becoming aware of the bigger problem and they'll make some attempts to fix it. But if they realize those attempts are just band-aids and aren't getting to the root problem, they will come back to us. And now they'll be open to hearing about the more radical suggestion that will definitely solve the problem. And if you like get a bulldozer and like raise all the vegetable vegetation down to the dirt, like no more poison ivy, right? So I think that too often when we design something, we're trying too quickly to solve the root cause. And our ideal people or people we're trying to help aren't there with us yet. They're not fellow experts. They're looking for anti-age cream. That's the level of support they're looking for. And it's a mismatch. And so our job is to educate people, whether it's in our weekly emails, in our social posts, in these research calls, discovery calls, coaching calls, whatever you want to call it. I mean, even here on a podcast interview, my job is to start helping people think differently about what's actually going on so that they become more open to a bigger solution than what they originally thought. I love that. And from a psychological standpoint, the research, Robbie, even supports that. You know, the way to get people to change is to start making small changes. They can have small success and you build to it. You just don't go after the monster right away and have the same degree of success as you do with these baby steps walking towards a solution. So to transfer that into this entrepreneurial vein is really, really cool. And I, and I love that you're doing that. So I'm going to bring us back to where we were. And I know we went tangential there for a bit, but I think it was important that we talked about those things. So we get our 2025 people, we've called the list, we've had those calls, we've created this four to six week pilot, we've got the six to eight people who are giving us really good testimonials. Talk to us a bit more about testimonials, because I see that everywhere. And it really there's always value in name recognition for testimonials. But what if you don't have access to name recognition? You know, what if you can't get Oprah Winfrey or Tony Robbins to endorse the product or service that you're offering? What if you just have people who have been through this pilot, people without any particular notoriety? How do you leverage those testimonials in the most helpful way to a potential customer? I love this question because I think that we all are drawn to the, like the celebrity endorsement. I mean, with my new book, I have 13 endorsements that I got ahead of time. They're in the book. And these are people I hand-selected because I believe that they have some leadership in this space. People recognize their names. And re almost regardless of what they say about the book, people are scanning to see whose names are in the front of the book. But on Amazon, I already got nearly 100 reviews from everyday people 
who are reading the book and it's impacting their lives, their way of thinking. And I think those are actually going to change people's minds. When, when it comes to buying the book, when you get to Amazon, sure, it's nice that there are these like, you know, big name reviews, but seeing not just a few, but lots, dozens of people like them who have had this response and see the value in the book and are talking about the action they're taking, that's what makes this possible for them to take action too. Because it's one thing if like a very well-known, very established leader thinks what you're doing is great. And that's very nice. But that doesn't tell the likely prospect, I too could make this happen. What will help that person see that is when they see someone like them in a testimonial saying, you know, I didn't think this was for me. Boy, you know, I was reading the book and, you know, Robbie's in my head. And, you know, if, you, if you're ready to get called out, for, <laughs> this is one of my favorite reviews. If you're ready to get called out for all the mistakes you've been making in your business and be given the solutions that will actually work, and like this book's for you. I, I think then people are more drawn in to believing that it's something they can do too. So you're describing you know, the word that's often used is, is avatar. Kind of your perfect avatar, the customer who might buy your product and they're, they're the person you're targeting. How do you get more of those particular people? Do you have a strategy for getting more of your target group? Well, one is being clear who they are. In the book, I have an exercise called Discover Your Ideal Clients. Um, it's a Venn diagram, expertise, passion. And then profit, um, well, I called it income and, and impact are, are in one bubble because um, you can't, I mean, we, we all need money, but we all want to have great impact, I think, as entrepreneurs, people I know. And so it really kind of walks you through in the middle of all that is your ideal client, the person who wants the expertise you have around a topic that you are so passionate about, you would do for free, but they can see the value in what you can offer them so much so that they want to pay you. That is your ideal client. So I think we're overlooking some possibilities of who we could be serving, people who are already coming to us for you know, support and services and advice. So that really is a fun exercise that can wake you up to different opportunities. But I also think it's important to be clear and name it. So for years, I didn't have clarity. Teaching networking is not a well-paid thing because everyone knows they should get better at networking, uh, but no, nobody really thinks it's where they want to put their money. Um, and no one wants to learn from a deficit. So it's like, I suck at that. No one wants to say like, and therefore I should get better. Like people want to go from, from pretty good to really great. That's some people are motivated by. So I think that the thing I had to figure out was who are the people who are going to be most interested in the thing I'm doing? And it was a wake up call actually. And I write about this in the book extensively. I didn't realize it, but it's entrepreneurial women in their fifties and beyond who were the demographic that was kind of responding consistently to the work I was doing, showing up to things. And I really didn't see it at first. It was definitely like probably a couple of years before it clicked. And I'm so glad it did. And now, now that I'm a little further into this and I have this book and more and more people are seeing it, I now see this as like a psychographic. It's not just demographic because now there's a lot of guys that are reaching out to me also feeling like, oh, they want support. And you know, so... I realize now it's like a certain kind of person because not all entrepreneurial women in that age bracket need what I do, but it's the people who are feeling, you know, like they, they're ready to do more in the world and they don't want to waste time. So I think it's important to get clarity about who those people are and write to them, create content for them. You will draw more people in when you have a consistent voice. My weekly emails are written to a person, not to my readers. And I get a lot of responses. 
I often do get the, you must be reading my journals kind of response. And I think that's how you know you're, you're nailing it. It will take a little time and effort, but it's much better than writing to the masses because then no one thinks it's for them. I love that. And so let's, let's jump forward a bit because we've identified our customer base where mm-hmm. we've got impact and income we've launched. Talk to us a little bit about scaling from there. Well, what's interesting is a lot of people I work with, that's not really a goal. I mean, that's part of the process for some people, but scale is not for a lot of people I work with what they're aiming to do. They mostly want to balance out their, their like work-life integration as, they, as they're growing a little older. They, they have different priorities in life. They want, to, they want to reach a lot of people and they want to make money, but they have some lifestyle choices they're trying to make. And so it's not about world domination. It's about, you know, be able to take the mornings off to go, you know, do this thing or have uh, time in the afternoon to pick up your grandkid. Like, I think that scale is mostly, I would say, about building a team around you so that you're not at the center of everything. I, I would think that's the form of scale that most of the entrepreneurs I'm working with would think about. How can you be not the bottleneck for most things in your business? So like I have a podcast like you for years now. And if I was in charge of all the elements of the podcast, it would never get published. But because I'm not, it comes out 50 times a year. And I have a weekly email 51 times a year. And I have amazing conversations and the content gets shared and promoted and all those good things happen. So for me, it's more about scaling the impact of my time than it is about my income. And income follows. I mean, it's, it's funny how it's not like you won't make more money. It's you get smarter about how you use your time so that you can focus on the things that are important to you, which sometimes are money and sometimes it's, it's relationships. I love that answer and for, for a lot of reasons. But in a time, time is, as we get older, I think we realize time is the most precious commodity and, and nobody ever on their deathbed says, you know, I, I wish... I wish I spent more time in front of the computer and less time, you know, with my my children. So, the way that you framed that was was so awesome. And speaking of time, my goodness, uh, Robbie, we have reached the end of our episode today. And you know, it's a good one when you look down at the clock and like the blink of an eye, we're here. So, I always wrap up every episode, as you know, by asking my guests this one single question: and that is, what is your biggest helping? that one most important piece of information you'd like somebody to walk away with after hearing our conversation today? I believe that 80% of the people you need to know to be successful, you've already met, and that it's time, therefore, to wake up your network. Beautifully said. You know, I I recognize that we didn't even get the name of the book. So tell us the name of the book and tell us where people can get their hands on it. It's called Small List, Big Results, Launch a Successful Offer, no matter the size of your email list. And by the way, the title, subtitle, and cover were all co-created because it wasn't the words that I would have found. And we actually set up a a special link for everyone listening in. And it's robbysamuels.com forward slash TDH. So if you go there, you'll get access to the book, but also access to the Big Results Toolkit, which has a ton of resources to help you implement the strategies in the book, including the Wake Up Your Network workbook. So hope folks can enjoy that. I'd love to hear about the action you take uh, because of the book. I love that. And we will have links to that so people don't have to furiously grab a pen. We'll have links to that in the show notes at thedailyhelping.com. So this was awesome, Robbie. Thank you so much. Can't wait to read your book, which is now available everywhere. And 
grateful that you spent some time with us today on The Daily Helping. My pleasure. Thank you. Absolutely. And I also want to thank each and every one of you as well who chose to take time out of your day to listen to our conversation. If you like what you heard, go give us a follow on Apple Podcasts and leave us a five-star review because that's what helps other people find this show. But most importantly, go out there today and do something nice for somebody else, even if you don't know who they are, and post it in your social media feeds using the hashtag MyDailyHelping because the happiest people are those that help others. 